Making News is a podcast about journalism and news literacy in Wisconsin and beyond. This is Making News. I'm Jane Hamden. The imagination of what can be to push against the walls of what is, is incredibly important. We're all here because we want our communities to be better informed. We believe in democratizing public information. Reaching communities of color is something that newsrooms often try and fail to do. Jimmy Gutierrez is working to change that with the help of unusual initiatives in Wisconsin and across the country. It's so good to talk with you, Jimmy. Oh, it's so good to connect, Jane. So you have a few jobs right now and a fancy (laughs) fellowship, and I want to talk about that. But before we get to it, you grew up on Milwaukee's South Side, and so you know that traditional news organizations have a hard time connecting with Brown and Black communities. Mm. Why do you think that is? Yeah. um, Yes, I grew up in Milwaukee, uh, um, all over the South Side, Um, went to school all, all around the city. Um, shout out K House and and Hamilton as well. Um, and it's, I mean, I wish it was. I wish I wish it was a simple answer. I think what it comes down to when we're talking about traditional media, legacy media, and those kind of things is that there just doesn't seem to be a will to engage in those dialogues. And so I think for a lot of people coming into journalism at this stage it feels like the dialogue is kind of shifting and there may be momentum to be more critical. And these were conversations I feel like that were whispered in newsrooms, but you just couldn't bring them to, you know, your all white, all male leadership team and expect any sort of results. And that's still very much the case. We're looking for any sort of change within newsrooms to be more responsive to communities. And, and that just hasn't, hasn't happened. And so I feel like we're hitting, uh, I don't know if it's a tipping point because I still don't necessarily have faith in those same organizations making those critical changes. I think they've, you know, copy and pasted some boilerplate language as far as what they know needs to happen, but as far as any actionable steps with teeth um, to address that change so that the organizations themselves reflect community so that the reporting that they do is reflective of what community is asking for which to even get to that point, you need to be in genuine relationship with community. I think there's still such a gap that needs to be addressed. Well, so Jimmy, growing up here, um, what do you remember? What did you know about the news organizations that were out there? The Journal Sentinel, you know, would have been Mm -hmm. stronger at that time and and have more reporters and a bigger footprint. And there are a bunch of TV stations. I mean, what do you remember about media in Milwaukee growing up? I remember when there was a journal and there was a Sentinel. I remember before there was the journal Sentinel. Um, and so, yeah, the paper would come to my house every day. That's how old I am. And I would read the front page and then I would read the sports section. Uh-huh. Um, so I was very much a boy in that way. And, uh, but I loved it. You know, it, it felt special. Um, it felt, you know, I think that door-to-door approach felt like a relationship. Uh, and it wasn't until later that I started to be a little bit more critical of like, oh, wait, like, how are they talking about people I know? How are they talk? How, how are communities I'm familiar with reflected? Um, and it was usually fear-based and um, crime-based and people that I knew that made community and that, that held space for community just 
even the stories that they had were kind of, it just felt a little bit superficial. And as far, you know, maybe people were dropping in to hear about them, but not necessarily in relation or have a deeper understanding of like, why do people do the work that they do? What gaps are they filling? The other thing that I've come, like just growing up here and having some familiarity here with whatever the, the, the TV personalities are or the reporters that have been around um, is that a lot of people leave. A lot of the talented reporters that do have trust and community end up taking off to other places. And again, I think this gets back to, do people feel supported in a, in a city and a setting that you know, the, our news organizations are not reflective of our populations, they're not responsive to our populations, and what kind of silent, you know, fight is that within those newsrooms? How much of a burden does that put on reporters of color who are very often entry level and that don't have good models of, of ascension, of career growth, upward mobility when it comes to salaries? I think there's a lot of stunting that happens. And so it's been, it's been more difficult, the more critical I've gotten watching really talented people that do care about this place leave because maybe they feel like they don't have other options. So to take on some of these problems, there are new innovative initiatives that are springing up around the country. Tell me about the ones that you are trying out in Milwaukee with support of some bigger organizations nationally. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, so, and that's the thing, right? Like if you're stagnant for long enough, <laughs> new things come into play and there is money to support these initiatives. And so like, yes, everything I said is very true and it can really weigh you down and feel like, well, why would I even step into this industry? This is so much, you know, I just want to create for a community and that is a possibility. And I'll speak on one of the things I'm doing that's very hyper local within Milwaukee it started out of the bones of this organization that I also work for in Detroit called Outlier Media. Outlier Media is uh, service journalism that produces content based on the direct interactions with residents, low wealth residents that tell us like, hey, we need help with unemployment. We need help finding food. We need help with childcare, like, and one-on-one -on -one conversations with reporters. So it's a very interesting model and that model was replicated here in Milwaukee. It's still going on under the name News 4 and 4, and it's a collaboration with a couple of different uh, nonprofit news organizations. But from that model, what I was able to do is I was kind of like running that program last year, is that I saw that, you know, there were these micro communities that had very specific needs, and we were able to build relationships with those communities. And Stanford University, bless them, thought it was a good idea to give me a fellowship to kind of follow up and build a model that was based on just being responsive to this community. Uh, and the way that I went about that was engaging in deep listening with about 50 residents and designing surveys for different touch points, like what information would you need? How do you get, how do you come across your daily news? All the things that you would want to ask a resident. And so we had you know, five to 10 minute surveys. And then we had longer hour, hour and a half long surveys that were more like an oral history that helped us get some um, background uh, into the community that I am not a part of. I do not live in the Metcalf Park community. But, uh, but what it also allowed us to do is think about like, okay, if you're going to build something, how do you, what is a starting place? And that starting place for us was relationships. So we had partners in that community 
um, that wanted us to be there. Again, like this is not, you know, this is a majority, majority black neighborhood. Our team, the team I work with is not majority black. Um, and so like also being aware of where we move and how we move in a place that's so highly segregated and all the history that comes with that was really important. So Jimmy, I want to back up one second. When Absolutely. you did so much listening, what did you hear? So when you mm. ask people what kind of news or information they want, what did they say? Okay. I love this question because it's really interesting. What, what we think people want is I think how we've been trained like what an editor would tell us like, Hey, like I've got this idea, I've got this idea, or even like as reporters, we have pitches, Absolutely. Um, but we're coming from it with our own, again, like this gets into the idea of objectivity and journalism. We're coming into with our own biases, what we think makes good news. But if you ask people and it'll change depending on the community geographically or identity based, whatever the case may be, if you ask people what they want information on, it's going to change. And, and what we heard is we want positive news. We want to know about like what childcare options there are. We want gossip. We, you know what I mean? The ability to build community, right? Yeah. So it's not just like, what is news? News is this one thing. People wanted the ability to connect with their neighbors. And I think that was even a little foundational. Like, is this a place where someone can go and get kind of like that background on people that they live close to? And if, if, you, if we give them that, well then, well, then they want information on like, illegal dumping or how to, you know, report potholes to their older. Or what um, about COVID vaccines? What about COVID vaccines? Exactly. Again, you know, that was a big call out that we had in our, you know, our first newsletter is, you know, we're working again, like a majority black community. We know that there's skepticism and luckily we do have black staff like on our team. And so like, we had a really great conversation, but like, okay, well, how do we be sensitive? How are we sensitive responding to community's needs? which we have a community or a resident advisory board. We reached out to them and like, hey, you know, every month we pitch them the ideas that we're thinking about running in the newsletter. And we have really great conversations back and forth as far as like, we're thinking about presenting information on the COVID vaccine. What would you like to see? What trappings do you want to be aware of? What conversations do you think would be good to open this up to? Um, so through that listening, like, I think it really helps shape this newsletter that may not feel like it would come from a journal sentinel or or a news organization in particular but it feels because it is shaped by the community and what they want information on okay so you have a whole bunch of new information um, and maybe new thoughts about what news means um, in in different communities what happens now so how do you how do you take this information and move beyond a fellowship or kind of an experimental program? with a few local partners. Right. Um, if you have answers, Jane, I'm here for it. <laughs> um, I, you know, it's, well, the, what does John S and what does the John S Knight fellowship say? Right. Um, and, and the, you know, we're having conversations on fundraising now, but it's not just like, as we think of a succession plan. And to me, what that means is that, so I have a staff, it's myself and then two kind of like very, very part-time people. And with those part-time people, we're looking at ways to transition in community folks, people from the neighborhood to, to train them up and to do a skills fair so that they can step into place and do those roles. Mm -hmm. And the idea would be that hopefully one day soon that they could also replace me and do that role and they could advocate for funding themselves. And again, there would be skill shares involved. We would teach them how to do that so that again, this would be 100% community controlled. And so that is a part of it, right? Like getting the people in place. 
The other part of that, though, is that the funding is really important. So, you know, I do have the resources now to think about how, how is money coming in? How are we pitching this to potential funders? What metrics would be appealing to them? How do we show that this newsletter has value and that it is reaching community? I first met you in a journalism class at UWM and you were fascinated by it, but at the time you weren't sure about a career in journalism and you tried out working as a Milwaukee firefighter. Tell me about that and then how that experience shaped your future career in journalism. Right. Yeah. I consulted with you before I left because it was my, I was going into my senior year. I had some internships. I felt like, I think, you know, there were some SPJ awards that happened the yeah. uh, semester before I left. And uh, that was a really tough decision um, because I knew I was putting everything on pause and possibly walking away from reporting and journalism. And the thing that I believed was that the profession would be available to me if I wanted to come back. Uh, but also I was kind of disenchanted with what possibilities were out there, where I would be possibly spending the rest of my career and who I'd be working for. And would I, would all of this work that I'd be putting in actually be helping the community that I have relationships in? And so when I thought about the fire department, you know, I was like, oh, I'll be working in the communities I'm familiar with, and I'll have the instant gratification of knowing what I'm doing has benefit, knowing what I'm doing is a service. And that was something that I couldn't say that I felt confident that I'd be able to do in the field of journalism. I was on the department for about two years, and I had some really great experiences and like, you know, fully transparent and like, Anyone on the fire department are on MFD or with family at MFD, like, please come at me. But the, the structural issues within the department were overwhelming, both within uh, racism and sexism and how it, was, how it was pretty normalized. And again, like these are, these are issues that it's a sister organization of policing, high, like lots of military, a lot of folks that come into the department from outside of the city. Um, we do not do any implicit bias training or really any cultural competency training. And so it's a really dangerous thing to have folks kind of unsupervised just within their own teams on the street. And so I saw a lot more harm actually being done on the fire department. And I thought I could spend my whole career also trying to reform this, this organization. And I just didn't have, um, the belief it would change. And I, 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 you know, I value my own self-care and my ability to be able to create and be in community more than that. And so at that point, um, I decided it was best to move on. And luckily enough, I had options. And that's when we can get into transom and like all the things that came after. But that's when I decided to move on with my career. Yeah. So tell me about that. So then this was the transition into public radio. And I know that that was, you know, an area and a field that you were intrigued by too, um, mm -hmm. starting with that semester long training with um, that organization called Transom on Cape Cod um, and then at New Hampshire Public Radio. So what did you learn about um, that aspect of media, public media through those experiences? Yeah. Um, so when I was thinking about moving on from the departments, I started to look at what my next steps would be. I think this is an endorsement for everyone who has come to this field. And I think this happens at UW Milwaukee, maybe more than most places from untraditional backgrounds. If you've taken time off, if you've tried a different career, if you're an adult student, those backgrounds have value. Um, those backgrounds that you have lived life experiences outside of just reporting, 
are valuable. You've seen things that other folks maybe haven't. And when I was going into transom, that was one of the things that they were really excited about was the fact that I was a firefighter, that I was an adult, that I had done X, Y, and Z, and it wasn't just, I wasn't just enamored with public radio, but I did see potential in public radio because uh, it felt like the conversations on like cultural change were happening in the public radio space, in the podcasting space. Um, and then just as far as the medium, you helped me with this a lot. It was like, I fell in love with the intimacy of like hearing someone's voice, the inflection, the tone, the pacing. These are all things that, you know, you're, you know, we're listening and we're talking right now. These are things that do not come across when you're reading a story and like gay print, like everyone should read, but uh, you know, the, the human aspect of things, especially in like really powerful moments can, can get lost. And so that's something I'm still a big believer on. And I still very much like listen to my podcast daily. So the potential is certainly there to reach new audiences, but then, you know, the history of public radio too is uh, very privileged and white. Mm -hmm. Um, They're trying very hard to change. I know you saw that, but some of those efforts um, seem more authentic and successful than others. Absolutely. Like we are in this field, there there are landmines everywhere. Uh, Pick your battle. You know, I, I left a station in New Hampshire and I left it because it was very much that, that boilerplate language. And then when we'd have direct conversations of like, well, how are we meeting these communities? How are we responsive to these communities? You know, because I would ask my friends uh, who out there were immigrants, first gens, black and brown folks that, that had like all come to New Hampshire for jobs where they got their news. Like, how, what do they think about the station? And, you know, I, I brought that stuff back to my CEO, to our president. And I was like, how are we working to be more responsive. I'm out here as a representative of the station. What are we doing to be more responsive to community? Um, and again, it's just kind of, even with all of the momentum last year for news organizations to put out some sort of press release as far as like how they're combating racism in their own newsrooms, what does that actually look like? And you know, that was something that even in, in my own experience that I had to walk away from because there was a lot of great talk but there was no action. So you're right. It's extremely privileged. It does not reflect community. And, you know, hopefully that's, that's just a, a change that we can all kind of like push for and be aware of as we're starting our careers. Given the way you spent your last year, which is really, um, it's not just hyper-local, it's one-on-one, you know, practically mm-hmm. um, getting to know people. Can you think of ways that that power and intimacy and portability of audio could reach a broader audience? Have you been able to make that connection or seen anything that's working? Yeah, I mean, I think that, I, I think there was a event that was held by um, Angelina Mosher Salazar. I think it may have been 2019. It was a listening party at Zocalo on some reporting she had done in South America. And, and she's with WUWM right now. And she's with WWM. And I think that, you know, the city is so segregated, right? There are these issues, there are these like very structural divides um, that keep people apart. And what I saw last year, what I saw in that listening party is that people are just so hungry and thirsty to come together, to find shared space. If you're on the near South side and you're on the North side, your lives are different. If you're, if you're Latinx or if you're black, your lives in Milwaukee are different, but you have a lot of shared experiences. There are universal truths to experiences. And if you can create an event that is community building, that is community responsive, that is reflective of community, 
I think people are really hungry and thirsty for that here. And I also believe that there has just been kind of a lack of imagination uh, with what is possible in Milwaukee. And universal stories, like the best narratives have some universal truth that we can all connect to. I think you're right about UW-Milwaukee, that the students um, have a diversity, economic backgrounds, racial backgrounds, and experiences that news organizations I've seen in recent years are legitimately hungry for and much more interested in than they would have been 10, 15 years ago. What would you say to someone who is in the position that you were in and just kind of learning about journalism, looking around the city? How would you tell them to proceed? Mm-hmm. Um, I dropped out of UW-Madison and I have friends who have went through that journalism program. And I think about sometimes how I would have progressed, how my news value, like my eye would have been shaped had I been in that community, how my instincts would have kind of come to. And there, there isn't a better place to learn this craft than Milwaukee. I needed a community that I could go out and report on, report with, be responsive to, you know, be accountable to. Hey, if we did this story, did it do harm? You know, checking in, building those relationships. Because it's your community. Because it's my community. But if you're, if you're out here reporting and you're from Toma or Stevens Point or Chicago and you're in Milwaukee reporting, this is now your community too and feel a sense of accountability because you are here. This is where you live. These, you know, the people are reading what you write. They're taking in what you write. And they're, you know, again, like this, I've heard, I've heard Milwaukee called the perfect microcosm of the American experience when it comes to poverty, when it comes to segregation, when it comes to police violence, when it comes to all of these things that affect this city, this is the perfect ground to learn and craft those skills and also build relationships because it is small enough where you can be in relationship with people. um, And, and that is a big part of this job. And there are, you're seeing new paths for journalism. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the thing too. If you have the imagination, I think there is, especially if you're a young reporter of color, there is a ton of imposter syndrome wherever you go. That is something to to work through. That is something that you just have to kind of like hype yourself up, that you belong where you are, find mentorship. Um, But as you start to proceed forward and find your footing, you have insight that the people around you do not have. You have lived experiences that people around you do not have. And the imagination of what can be to push against the walls of what is, is incredibly important. We're all here because we want our communities to be better informed. We believe in democratizing public information. And so the imagination to make sure that's happening is critical. And that's why that's That's why another reason, just a plug for Milwaukee being a really, really great place to hone those skills. Well, Jimmy, thank you so much for your time. Of course, Jane, thank you so much. And and good luck to all of your students uh, moving forward. Making News is supported by the Digital Humanities Lab at the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee.